the Ain't No Fang podcast. From Arizona Sports, Ain't No Fang. We knew the Arizona Diamondbacks had a guy who could contend for the Cy Young on their team. But do they have the NL MVP on their roster as well? It's the Ain't No Fang podcast. Steve Zinsmeister with Cody Fincher and Alex Weiner covers the team for ArizonaSports.com. This morning, I woke up to Zach Gallen and Corbin Carroll on the Scott Van Pelt show. Is that still called Sports Center? I'm not even sure anymore. Sports Center with SVP. SVP. Yeah. Oh, okay. A little fancy. Um, but still, kind of cool because the Diamondbacks have flown under the radar for quite some time. I think that's an understatement. And to see both of their star players on national TV getting recognition for what they've accomplished. I mean, we've been talking about Zach Gallon for a long time, for the last two, two and a half years, about how good he's been since getting called up in Miami originally. But Corbin Carroll, we've been thinking he might win MV, uh, Rookie of the Year. He might be the MVP in the National League right now. I I just want to know where they found time to go on Sports Center with Scott Van Pelt because literally <laughs> this week for them has been is crazy. They had just had three games in Milwaukee. They yeah. had to fly to D.C. last night to play one game today, the makeup game that was postponed because of the poor air quality due to the wildfires in Canada in Washington D.C. It's it's that game starts in from right now. It's eight thirty five when we're recording, so it starts in an hour and a half basically, and then they have to fly all the way back to San Francisco for a game tomorrow for a series of the Giants, who, by the way, have won ten games in a row. Uh, scary Giants. Yeah, what the heck's um, with that? Anyway, so yeah, Corbin Carroll. I mean, it was kind of just like at first. I feel like people were like, oh my gosh, well, he's playing, so he might also be the MVP and the rookie of the year. He, And that was kind of like people were just like, ha ha, yeah, whatever, that's not going to happen. Now I feel like it's actually a possibility because he's just kept playing so well. That dude does everything. Like yesterday in the first inning, he made a ridiculously uh, ridiculous sliding catch that only I think a guy like him even gets to that ball because he's so fast. And he's playing Gold Glove defense, if if in my opinion. And of course, everything else he does, he's he's super fast. The Diamondbacks had seven steals yesterday in a game. By the way, he's, they stole seven bases. And he had two of them and while going two of them. for four. Correct. So exactly, <laughs> this dude does everything. Even when he goes zero for four, he's impacting the game somehow. Um, I really do think he's got a shot at the MVP award. And I don't know how many times it's happened where a, a, a player has run one rookie of the year and MVP, but the I think he's got a one shot. Was Ichiro. That was in the American League. Yeah. Right? Didn't Ichiro do that? Did. I think so, yeah. And that was the year that the Mariners had that incredible run where they, they had won over 100 games. And yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's him and Fred Lynn. Fred Lynn's sure. the only other one. So nobody's in, done it in the NL then, right? Because Fred Lynn was with the Red Sox, if I remember right. You are correct. And so, yeah. He, so no one's ever done he'd it. He'd be the, the first League. National League player. Wow. Wow. I mean, he's got a shot. He's got everyone say, you know, of course, Ronald Acuna Jr. has a, a legitimate case, but Corbin Carroll has a lot of stats that are better than Acuna. And then, of course, Freddie Freeman is playing really well for the Dodgers, unfortunately. Thanks a lot, Atlanta, um, for that gift. Um, but. I mean, yeah, Corbin Carroll, especially, you know, he's got he's got other tools too. He's got I mean, Acuna has what? Acuna has like thirty something stolen bases already. And I, I looked at that, I'm like, he can't be that far ahead of Corbin Carroll. And he well he was. But Acuna has thirty one, Carroll has twenty one. Yeah. So I that was crazy to me. I'm like, wow, Acuna's stealing a lot. 
Um, Their numbers are actually quite similar in yeah. a lot of ways. And WRC Plus, it's 157, 156 Acuna over Carroll. Uh, in war, they're even, at least on fan graphs, at 3.4. Slugging, 555 or 558 Acuna, 581 for Carroll. So he has the edge there, but Acuna has a little bit higher OBP at 403. So statistically, it's very, very close. And for Carroll, you're right. He's been doing everything. He's been playing very good defense. The, the no-fly zone is back. We'll talk about Alec Thomas later, but some of the balls that just didn't fall this past series, yeah. it makes a noticeable difference. Uh, and Carroll's a big part of that. His sliding catch has become like his, that's his signature That's catch his trademark, now, yeah. Where it's not quite a dive. It's not like a traditional slide, but it's like this falling to your side. I'd rather slide. him slide, honestly, than yeah. dive, because injuries can happen with diving more, I think, Well, and he sliding. does it to his right, yeah, yeah. because he's left-handed, he's left so the handed. glove's on the right hand. Yep. It's kind of natural feel for yeah. a left fielder. But he's done it like four times in the past like month, so I, I feel like just... Throughout his career, like it's gonna be on the baseball card as him sliding yeah, like him that. Yeah, sliding. But, uh, anyway, but yeah, you're right. He's done everything they've asked him to do, and as a rookie, uh, it's crazy just how advanced he is from an ap- approach perspective. Uh, each at bat has really some sort of plan to it, and it, for him, it's just gonna be about continuing because he hasn't played a full major league season yet. Last year, he came up at the end of August, at the very, very end of August, uh, 2021. He was hurt. So it's, you know, it's interesting how he will adapt as the season goes on and what that longevity looks like. Um, He hasn't really been banged up much this season, except for when he ran into the wall, which was kind of a freak thing. So that's really going to be the key for him. But as long as he can continue to produce the way he is, and if the D-backs keep winning, because that's going to be a huge key in this, because if him and Acuna are right there, then and the Braves are 16 games ahead of the Diamondbacks at the end of the season or something like that, they're probably going to give it to Yeah, because we know how that goes, right? <laughs> if, the, if Corbin Carroll and Acuna had the similar, like, they have the same exact stats, but the Diamondbacks weren't winning, I mean, Acuna's going to get the MVP. Right, right. And then you're right with Freddie Freeman. He's he's also up there. I mean, he leads the National League in WRC Plus at 158, a whole whopping two more than <laughs> Corbin but Carroll. But his it's numbers, so close. his hitting numbers are almost identical to Acuna. It's just he doesn't have the speed. And Acuna is right. the fastest player in baseball. So naturally, he's the better player. Right. And if um, Acuna gets 40-40, which he would have to go on a power surge to do that because with stolen bases, it seems like he's going to get to 40 maybe by the All-Star break. Right. Um, with home runs, he has 15, so that's the one he's falling behind. But if he has a 40-40 season on a first-place team, it's going to be tough for voters not to look at that as, like, not only statistically, but just from a milestone, not a lot of people do this perspective. And then I'll throw this out there. Because we know that awards, especially in baseball, are won by narratives. Shohei Otani obviously deserved his MVP, but the narrative was we've never seen this before. Aaron Judge... Uh, breaking Roger Maris's home run record as a Yankee. The narrative wins in baseball. If Luis Arias hits 400, mm-hmm. does he deserve some recognition as possible MVP in the National League? He'll, no. get, he'll get votes. No, I, he. I don't know if he deserves deserves to win it, but he'll get votes for it. You say no? Why? Uh, just because. Look, it's, it's unbelievably impressive, and it's a hitting style we we don't see today and it's so refreshing and it's so fun to watch and I I'm rooting for him to get to 400 because that would be tremendous I think an awesome story for the game but just in terms of value he's not on the level of a Freeman Carroll or Acuña at this point um he doesn't give you this the speed value I mean even Freeman has 10 stolen bases um <laughs> and then just as far as his wins above replacement you know defensively he doesn't give you the same value as some of the other guys 2.1 He's only good right at now. one thing 
Let's just hits, put it out there. He's hitting singles. Base hits. Yep. He has two home runs. He makes contact. OPS is 932. Two home runs, lacking in power, lacking in speed, lacking exactly. in defense. Two but he does one, one thing and... better than every single player in baseball, and that's make contact. Yeah, and it's super exciting to watch because the ball's in play constantly. But it's just a value perspective. It's just he's not impacting the game quite as dramatically as those other guys just on a three-level basis it'll be interesting though if he does hit 400 because there will be people that vote for him to win mvp sure because of yeah. that and it'll be interesting how that affects the whole race as, who does that take entirety. away from right exactly yeah. and i know i i am born and raised here i know who that will affect corbin carroll it will i'm telling you it will yeah my chair just broke there's always that possibility dude what are you doing <laughs> I'm um, so mad already. Let's talk Rip about the arms off. It's of too his chair. early in the morning. Uh, uh, Alex brought up Alec Thomas uh, earlier. He is back from the minor leagues where he was tearing it up during his. Uh, I guess when they sent him down to fix some things, he figured it out. He comes back. He and Jake McCarthy create the no fly zone we talked about in the outfield, along with Corbin Carroll, of course. Um, Alec Thomas is back. Josh Rojas went down. What does that mean for both of those players going forward? Yeah, with Alec, I mean, the plan was always to get him back at some point and not too far in the future um, because they didn't. It's not like he was playing horribly all the time when he went down. He was actually hitting right handed pitching decently well. It was like a, just a tick sub 800 OPS with, against right handed pitching. He obviously provides a ton of value defensively. We've seen that in the Brewers series. I mean, some of the balls he's been able to track down, it's like, oh, that ball's in the air. It's going deep. It's going to the wall. Oh, somebody's there. So that part of it was always there, but he was one for 36 against left-handed pitching when he went down. And that was the big thing because Lavello said, this guy's a chance to be much better than a platoon player. He has a chance to be a special player for us. And so to go down... They fixed a couple things mechanically. They wanted his plate coverage to be a little bit better, a little bit less movement, especially against left-handed pitchers. Um, but as he was getting ready to swing, which kind of helps keep him on rhythm and keep him balanced to chase, or not to chase, but to kind of see the strike zone a little bit better. So, so far, so good. He hasn't faced a lot of lefties since coming back up with uh, the three starting pitchers with the Brewers. That's probably so, by design, too. Exactly. We'll, we'll, we'll get a look at what that looks like um, coming forward, but... I mean, right now, I think it gives them a higher ceiling as a baseball team defensively as somebody who can get on the on base in the back half of the lineup. And now it gives them the freedom. We're going to talk about lineup a little bit. Geraldo Perdomo hitting first. Now you have McCarthy and Thomas in the back of the lineup to kind of be those rollover guys with speed that can create some chaos for the top of the order. And you don't have to have Perdomo in the nine hole to do that. So I think it opens up a lot of avenues for them. Let's talk about Josh Rojas. He goes down to the minor leagues. Third base has been crowded. I don't want to say that they have like all these great third basemen and he just didn't have a spot. But Rivera has hit well at times. Evan Longoria has certainly filled the role that they asked him to fill very well, which is hitting lefties. And he's got some pop this season. Double-digit home runs, if I remember right. How do we feel about Josh Rojas going back down to the minors? I thought it was a good decision. Um he had really fallen off a cliff there for a while. He still has zero home runs, and we're almost in July um, in the major league season. And um, I hope I hope what happened to McCarthy and what happened to Thomas happens with Rojas because I mean this method that they've that they've shown that they're willing to do it works. Sending these guys down and working on things and 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 
credit to the players because that it's a two-way street. Like, yeah, a coach can tell you, hey, do this, do that, do that, change this, change that. The player has to be willing to make those adjustments too. And from all that we've seen, all of these Diamondback players, these young kids especially, who have been top prospects and, and, and you know everyone thinks they're going to be phenoms, have been willing to show that they – can make these adjustments and that they're willing to make the adjustments. Getting Alec Thomas back was big for this team because, and if he hits like he's hitting right now, it's even bigger because he plays a gold glove center field. And if you can add his bat into the lineup as well, I mean, this team could be really dangerous. Um, I think Josh Rojas will be back. Um, I think he'll go down to AAA and make the adjustments. Um, but and we're going to see him again. But yeah, it's nice that the D backs do have guys like Emmanuel Rivera. And Evan Longoria, a veteran who can step in and play third base. Longoria is going to have to play more against righties now because he and Rivera are the only third baseman. I guess Perdomo could play third if they needed him to. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, Longoria is going to have to hit against righties more often. And I think he's he'll be fine. But, yeah, he's going to – it's been weird with Longoria because he's only been playing like a handful of games here and there when there are lefties on the mound. But And he hasn't been really playing in the field. He's been DHing mostly. So he made a really good play the other day at third base. So, I mean, maybe he hasn't lost a step yet. But um, Rivera has been a, a, a pleasant surprise this year. He's really hitting the ball hard. Um, and he's playing a decent third base as well. But, yeah, I think Rojas will be, will be back sooner than later. If Perdomo's leading off now, that presumably means the Paven Smith experiment is over. He was... Hallelujah. I mean, Alex and I talked about this on our show on Saturday. Basically, it just wasn't working. It didn't make any sense. He doesn't bring speed like a traditional leadoff hitter. Doesn't he doesn't set the table well. the way... Well, he's actually good at getting on base. He's <laughs> just not... this past week? He had four walks <laughs> yeah. the other day. Right. He's good at getting on base. He's not good at hitting. Yeah. So like the low average, but a pretty it's okay on base. I mean, he's got a 327 on base. That's better than some of their guys who are in the starting lineup. It's just that his average is so low. So I get why they tried it. It didn't work. I give credit to Tori for figuring that out at some point and moving on from that experiment. But now what is Pavin Smith's role if he's not the leadoff hitter and he's not a starter and you got the no fly zone in the outfield? What is he? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's interesting. I, I don't know if it's like completely gone off the table. Uh, it's been a few days. It's been a full series against the Brewers that they put Perdomo in that role, and it's worked out. Um, and so I'm, you know, I'm curious if it's if that's going to be the guy going forward. My guess is it's going to fluctuate a little bit. Somebody else will take that spot. Cattell might get a day well, or... against lefties. I still anticipate Cattell will be the leadoff hitter, but yeah. I think that'll be pretty fluid. Um, and to use a Tory term. I'm not sure how many opportunities Pavin's going to get hitting leadoff at this point, but you're right. He has been getting on base. I mean, four walk day is a pretty good encapsulation of it. But yeah, I, I, I as far as his role is concerned, I still think he's going to get, you know, occasional at bats against right-handed pitching, at least for the time being. Um, I, I don't see them now that Alec Thomas is up. I don't see like there being like an obvious roster move that they're going to make this, you know, maybe if Josh Rojas was three weeks into his, triple a stint and he was hitting really really well and figuring some things out then it's like okay is that the next move that they're going to make but since i and I, I don't see one that's particularly Fletcher? obvious but they i don't... guess so but they already have the other outfielders up now would you want to have four left-handed hitting outfielders kyle, kyle lewis point? maybe right-handed hitting outfielder if you run into a string of left-handed starting pitching maybe but i think for now it's just against right-handed pitching he's not gonna play every single day but he'll probably play most of those days and some sort of 
probably DH role, and um, yeah, not going to see him quite as often, but you'll still see him. Uh, somebody who deserves a good shout out: Merrill Kelly is nine and three. Zach Gallen's nine and two. I know we talk all the time about Gallon. He's going to get the headlines, and he is the better pitcher of the two. I think we can all agree on that. But Merrill Kelly has been right there, neck and neck with him. When you look at ERA+, plus, Zach Gallon 153, Merrill Kelly, 149. That's pretty close. You look at their whips, uh, Merrill Kelly's got a better whip right now than <laughs> Zach Gallon does. You look at the ERA, it's only off by six points. I mean, they're very similar in a lot of statistics. I realize he's not going to strike as many guys out, but honestly, the strikeouts aren't even that far off. The, Gallon's only got eight more than Merrill Kelly. Kelly has a higher K per nine. Yeah, yeah, barely. that's what's they're, interesting. They're basically identical, but barely. These two pitchers, in a lot of ways, have been identical this season. I know Gallon's going to get all the headlines, and I know Merrill Kelly is seven years older, and I feel like somehow that plays a factor when it really shouldn't. Um, this is a team that doesn't have one ace. I think it has two. Is that going too far? Um, at this point, no. I mean, they have been, like you guys were just saying, they've been very similar in what their numbers are. And, I mean, Merrill Kelly, just what he does, he just goes out there and throws strikes. That's all he does. That's what his entire game plan is. He throws. He just goes out there and throws strikes. Um, he's not afraid to challenge guys in the zone, and it's been working out for him this year. He's he's mis- mixed his pitches really well. Um, yeah, I mean, I still think they obviously need another starting pitcher. Um, to really stay competitive in this National League, which is going to be insane. Um, the race is going to be insane in the NL West especially. Um, but, yeah, they have a, a legitimate right now this year, a 1A and a 1B. And Merrill Kelly, you have to give him credit. I mean, yeah, you're right. Zach Gallen's going to get most of the headlines. Zach Gallen's probably going to – I don't want to say he'll, he's going to win it, but he's going to be the one that's in the contention for Cy Young. I mean, and, I but, haven't even seen Merrill Kelly mentioned right. in and an all star conversation. Exactly. Let alone Cy Young. Exactly. And their numbers are the same. I know. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> right. It's 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 very strange. I mean, Merrill Kelly might make the team, but you won't really hear about much of it. You'll be like, oh yeah, Merrill Kelly's an all star. Cool. Um, but I don't think we're gonna hear about him in like the award conversations or anything, which is super weird. Just you're allowed to have two guys in the final in the finals of that. I would assume. Um, so, There's been plenty of teams that yeah. had duos at the top of their rotation yeah. that were really, really good, so, and this is one of them. So yeah, I, I, Merrill Kelly is just—he's been so impressive. Like he got over 200 innings last year, um, which was a huge milestone for him personally. I know they were making a big deal about that, and this year he's just—he's built on that, and he's been so consistent. And it's 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 been much needed in a rotation where it's been basically just him. And Zach Gallen and three young guys slash Zach Davies. Um, they, I'll say it again. They really need another starter. Uh, they need to go out and trade for somebody. Because, maybe multiple. Uh, may, maybe mm-hmm. I don't know. I I I'm not a huge fan That's, of Zach Davies. I know he can eat innings, but I mean, this isn't the his, team where you eat his, innings. His ERA is over seven now. I mean, it's uh, and and Derek Hall was on Bickley Murata this morning, and they asked him about their rotation, and maybe they go out and get someone much earlier than the trade deadline, kind of like Mike Hazen went out and got JD Martinez well before the he got him before the All Star break, if I'm not mistaken, in 2017. So, uh, and his answer was, you know, are they concerned about the rotation? I'm paraphrasing. Yeah, they're concerned about it. 
Um, and he he mentioned not being able to sit around like they normally would and let the younger guys develop because they're trying to win. This team has a chance to win the division. And how long can you sit around and wait for Ryan Nelson to figure it out? How long can you wait for if Brandon Fott comes back up? How long can you wait for him to figure it out? Tommy Henry's been okay for for this team so far. He's been the better uh, young young pitcher than the other ones. I mean, and how long can you wait for if he starts to struggle? How long can you wait for him to turn it around? And we're now apparently Tory said they're past the point where they can't they can't make Dre Jamison a starter anymore this year. Like apparently there's a time limit for that. I don't know, but like now it's they're about ramping him up. Yeah, they're past the point of being able to ramp him up and stretch him out to be a starter again. So he's out of the mix for the starting rotation, which sucks because I like Dre Jameson in the starting rotation, and he's been he's been good in the bullpen. I need I won't lie about that, but I mean yeah, they need to get somebody. They need to get somebody else in here too. How many? How many do they need, Alex? How many starters? It's it's an interesting conversation because on one hand. They're ahead of schedule, and you know they're going to be counting on a lot of these younger pitchers going forward to get innings and be effective. And we've seen growth. We've seen growth from Tommy Henry. We've seen growth from from Ryan Nelson. And it's just as they continue to get that experience, it's like what's more important to continue getting these guys their you know their innings while we're still winning, putting them into those high leverage situations and trying to like get them going by the end of the season. Because remember. For Nelson, he's not even halfway through his rookie year. And for Henry, he pitched nine games last year, but this is also kind of a pseudo-rookie year, and he's not even halfway through his rookie year. So, they're you know, sure, it hasn't been great for either of them. They've had both very good stretches and some not-so-good stretches. Nelson particularly has been pretty good on the road and not great at home, and... Tommy Henry has been very good at home and not great on the road. It's so funny with this rotation. And <laughs> Zach Gallon too. Gallon, great at home. His numbers on the road haven't been as good this year. Kelly, great on the road. Yep. Every single person in this rotation is kind of like that, which is a bit strange and I think a coincidence. But uh, as far as how many guys they need to get at the deadline, I would shoot high uh, because there is this window and there are multiple potential star pitchers who have another year of control. And it gives you this this year and next year as your window to go all in on this. Um, but if you're just getting depth guys and guys who can eat innings and that's who you want to replace these younger guys, I'm a little bit more dubious on that. Scott McGuff has basically, God, am I going to say this? Become the closer? Crime dog. Woof, woof. Uh, something that we all kind of thought might happen if he adjusted to the major leagues. What? And so the Diamondbacks have kind of found their guy at the back end of the bullpen. McGuff's been really good. I think I read the last time he gave up a run was in early May. Alex mm-hmm. has the stats. Alex tweeted out the stats. All right, stat guy, what do you got? <laughs> I, well, I quote, I'm like, this is amazing. He's yeah. been so good. He's allowed one run in his or earned run in his last 18 games, which is 23 and two thirds innings. Wow. He's got three saves over that time, so he's not saving every game, but no. he's getting he a got, few more save opportunities. He got a six out save yesterday, struck out four of the batters. Nice. This I one, mean, goodness. It. This one's pretty crazy because. An issue with this bullpen this year has been inherited runners have been a problem, is, is letting inherited runners score. He's allowed one of his 12 inherited runners to score. Scott McGuff. That's on the D-backs game notes today. I didn't, I didn't even realize that stat. but That's, that's a good that's stat. That's really yeah. good. Because when do relievers usually come in? 
I mean, half the time it's with guys on base. Yeah. Um, and that's been a problem, I think, for Kyle Nelson this year, yeah. uh, especially recently. But, um, yeah, Scott McGuff, and I, I keep referencing Derek Hall and Bickley and Murata this morning, but he mentioned, they talked about Scott McGuff, and he brought up a point that I hadn't even been thinking about. It's He's coming over from Japan where the baseball is a different size and a different weight, and he's had to adjust to the ball. And especially if, if the ball's a different size, this guy throws a split finger more often than not. That's totally different where your fingers are and how like far apart they are on a pitch mm-hmm. like that. Um, I, I, I don't know why I didn't even think about that. That was a great point by Derek, but um, and it seems like he's made the adjustment now. He's been outstanding. And of course, I don't think they'll ever call anyone the closer on this team unless they go out and trade for some, trade for a closer. Um, but I mean, even then, they probably won't even call him the closer. I don't know, but I'm, and I'm fine with that. But I mean, he seems to be the guy that Tory is trusting recently to get the biggest outs of the game, um, and he's he's done it, and he's done a really good job. Yeah, that adjustment's huge um, because, and I remember I talked to him a little earlier this year uh, and wrote about just. The hitters are different. The approaches are different. And so in Japan, he said it's tougher to get strikeouts. Sure. But they're not clobbering as many home runs on you. It's a lot more playing to contact, mm-hmm. two-strike approach, trying to get it through holes. And I, I think he said it. He went on the radio this week and he said, you know, sometimes you'll have a guy beat on a pitch, but he'll just poke it to left field because that approach is totally different. Yeah. Well, here, if you make a mistake, it could be set 450 feet or it could be a walk-off home run like he gave up to ha Sung Kim at the very beginning of the season. And so... It's just trying to get used to where he could throw it, where he can't, where he can't make mistakes, and getting used to the ball. It's a lot to adjust to in a short period of time. And, you know, it's kind of amazing that the first month of the season wasn't worse because that's a lot to get used to. And so now that he's kind of fallen into a rhythm, it's been very, very impressive to watch. And him, his ability to give you multiple innings has been really impressive to watch. He's coming off of a six-out save, and... I mean, he's had to do this before. I mean, think about the extra inning games that they've lost, and not because of him, but because the offense couldn't get the runs in. That Oakland A's game in May, he had to go multiple innings, and he didn't give up an earned run himself, but an inherited run scored because the D-backs won enough innings without scoring. Most recently, uh, I forget, what was it? What was the latest extra inning game that they played? Was that the, that wasn't the Phillies series. Um, Either way, but then he also pitched multiple extra innings and didn't give up an earned run, so... I think that ability to get you multiple, his command of all of his pitches right now, it's all been super impressive. And I don't know if they're going to name a closer this year at all or anything like that, but I think they like him in that role where if they need multiple innings, they can use him in the eighth inning and keep him in the ninth inning. But if they just need also a save situation and the matchups work out right, then uh, he's been apt to do that as well. We'll wrap up the podcast with this. The uh, standings currently sit at uh, Diamondbacks in first place, still two and a half games up on the Giants. I don't, the Giants are ten and zero in their last ten. That makes no sense to me. Uh, coming up, series coming up. Yeah, they're going to have to face them, so that's going to be a really interesting uh, uh, series. Dodgers three and a half back of the D-backs, and the Padres nine and a half. I know that a lot of people still have confidence. The Padres in them, stink. I know they stink. Yeah, and four hilarious. games under five hundred right now. They so, stink right now. I, right now, they'll they probably have, figure it out. They have they have too much talent. They have a positive run differential, and it just seems like 
I don't know. There's going to be a moment where they go on a run like the Giants are doing right now. The D-backs get Washington for one day because of the postponed smoke game. Uh, Alex, you pointed out to me earlier, Tommy Henry will essentially pitch twice in the Washington series. Correct. You want to look at it that way. Because he was uh, he did pitch already in that series and now his turn in the rotation on this uh, Thursday. All right, we're going to wrap up the podcast. Thanks so much for checking it out this week. Uh, for my friends Cody Fincher and Alex Weiner, I'm Steve Zinsmeister. You've been listening to the Ain't No Fang podcast here at ArizonaSports.com and on the Arizona Sports app. Yeah.